but there's a kind of split-second hit of emptiness. And then, without noticing it, you kind of get this craving for chocolate-covered raisins. Okay? So you pop a raisin, pseudo-eros, okay? And you miss the invitation, right, of that hit of emptiness. The same thing's true in terms of sexuality, right? Everyone in the room knows that in their lives, right, whatever your system of law is, there are two kinds of sexuality in your life. There's fallen sexuality and there's sacred sexuality. Whatever your sexual path is, everyone knows that that distinction exists, right? Not all sexuality is the same. For all of us, there's moments where sexuality is redeemed and sacred and gorgeous and holy, and there's moments when it's fallen. And all of us know what those moments are in our own lives. We actually don't need anyone to give us a set of rules. Actually, our bodies know, right? Job writes, chapter 19, great mystical verse, right? Through my body, I vision God. Right? My body always knows. You never need a diet book, right? Your body always knows precisely what, whether you should eat the extra bite or not. It knows precisely whether you should be in that sexual moment or not, right? Our bodies have infinite wisdom, okay? So when you sexually fast, that is to say, when you basically abstain for a period of time, what you begin to do is you begin to notice right, what provokes the invitation to what I would call the fallen sexual moment. And virtually always an arousal to a fallen sexual moment comes from a hit of emptiness, a hit of emptiness. And if you actually watch carefully, the inner process inside means to be very meditatively aware, but not meditatively aware because it means you sat for 30 years in a particular position and said, "Om." you can do that for 30 years very, very well, watch your breath perfectly and not be meditatively aware. Okay, spend... um, beautiful week in June in Castel Gandolfo, which is the Pope's summer residence with about 25 of us, among them the Dalai Lama who had convened us. And he tried to convene like 25 people who were spiritual teachers in their traditions who were somehow trying to kind of move the tradition forward or kind of tell the story a little differently. So it was kind of away from the matting crowd, you know, no cameras, and just, you know, a circle of 25 people talking for a week. It was really a beautiful week. So one of the things that Dalai Lama said is, is that, you know, we were talking about prayer, right, the prayer problem the prayer problem in, in the Jewish community. Kind of, you kind of walk into sin agog, take three steps forward, you know, three steps back, you're done, you leave, right? Kind of this race to God. So we think, okay, we think, well, but if I was in Dharamsala doing meditation, then he says the same thing. He says he's got all his monks. He says they do the exact same thing. His biggest challenge is to try and get the best meditators to actually encounter, you know, the sunyata, right? The real nothingness. Right? And it's actually very easy to actually do davening meditation. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the practice is. It's about being present. It's about being fully aware. It's about being deep meditation, right, is what they call in the Tibetan tradition analytical meditation. Analytical meditation means you notice, right, what's happening inside. You notice the hit of emptiness. We usually paper over the hit of emptiness. The hit of emptiness is so subtle. It's so quick. And our body... Right? Our minds, our spirits immediately respond to fill the emptiness with a hit of pseudo-eros. give you a third example, conversation. Okay, conversation. Messianic conversation, right? The word Messiah itself in Hebrew means conversation. Mashiach, Messiah means conversation. Messianism means sacred conversation. Definition of life coming at you. Life is a series of conversations. That's what it is. Right? Life is a conversation. Right? An erotic conversation means a conversation where I'm completely on the inside. The conversation flows. We're there. We're fully present. What happens in non-erotic conversation? Two people meet. They sit down for coffee. There's nothing to talk about. What do they talk about? A third person. Of course. That's what everybody talks about, right? When there's nothing to talk about, when there's no eros, 
right? So you paper over the eros by trying to create an inside moment because to be an eros is to be on the inside. If I'm not really on the inside, how can I pretend like I'm on the inside? By placing someone else on the outside. You follow that? It's an enormously powerful inner logic. If I place someone else on the outside, right, then I'm on the inside, okay? So if I'm not on the inside, if I'm not erotically engaged and I'm having a conversation, what do I do? So I need to place a third party on the outside in order to create an illusion right, of me being on the, on the inside, okay? So that's a lack of fullness of presence, okay? So the second quality of the erotic, right, is fullness of presence, which gives us the ability to move beyond the a-void dance, right, and to touch the fullness of presence, second quality of the erotic. The third and the fourth I'm just going to talk about for a minute or two because I really got to move towards right, where the sexual and the erotic meet. 